0: In several section, sessions, he scrambled with God's help to put together a series on being a Romans 12 kind of Christian and was so blessed by it that he did it again on the radio. The only thing I remember from the messages I heard is, is that intriguing title. When God saved you, his purpose was not just to get you to heaven eventually but in his own way to make you look more and more like Christ to be transformed into the image of Christ Jesus said he who has seen me has seen the Father we should be able to say with Paul imitate me as I imitate Christ the book of Romans can be broken down into the three S's sin, salvation, and sanctification Dr. Dunnett, my Bible teacher, both at Moody Bible Institute and Northwestern College, said when Paul dictated Galatians, you can picture him pacing back and forth and after the greeting saying, I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you into the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. And again, halfway through, he questions, oh foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? And at the end, he snatches the pen from the amanuensis and writes, See with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. And he finishes the letter. In Romans, you can picture Paul as sitting back in his chair with his, holding a cup of tea with both his hands and saying, Now then, let us begin. And going on to give an orderly description of the gospel concerning sin salvation, and sanctification, and ending with greetings to 29 people he knew in a church he had never visited. Romans 12 begins the section on sanctification, that is, being set apart for God's use. Sanctification is a gradual process. In 2 Timothy 2.21, it says, If anyone cleanses himself from what is impure then he will be a vessel for noble use, fitting and useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. Now let me pause from Romans 12 for a minute here. I want always to include the part about sin and salvation in my sermons, but where do I find that in this section on sanctification? It is in the first couple words. Therefore, refers back to all that has been said so far. And mercies of God are part of that, including, okay, there's Timothy. Therefore, uh, I beseech you, therefore, by the mercies of God, it starts out. Now, those two refer back. Um, to uh, some, some of these things. All have sinned. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. God loved us even while we were yet sinners. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Now back to chapter 12, Sanctification. Romans 12 has three sections on sanctification. Our spiritual transformation, our spiritual occupation, that's using your gift, and our daily conversation, the old word uh, for behavior, like it says in Hebrews 13.5, let your conversation be without covetousness, and be content with such things as ye have. First, our spiritual transformation. Romans 12:1 through 2 I appeal, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, That by testing you may discern what is the will of God what is good and acceptable and perfect has God been merciful to you then respond by presenting your body meaning your whole self, soul included to God as a living sacrifice my old King James Version says which is your reasonable service Uh, Yes, v is clearer to me, which is your spiritual worship. The world does not follow God's way, nor reward as God does. We don't want to be conformed to the world, but we know how it clings to us. Instead, be transformed by the renewal of your minds, that we must discern what the will of God is, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Revised Standard Version says prove what is the will of God. ESV says discern what the will of God is. That that, uh, word communicates better to me. I'm always a little confused when I read in my my RSV exactly what the word might mean. Ephesians 5.10 tells us and try to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. That's we want to find out. We want to discern what the will of the Lord is. Try to find what's pleasing to Him. And every Christian should have these verses, Romans 12, 1 and 2, memorized. They speak of our spiritual transformation. Now we go on to our spiritual occupation, using our spiritual gift. What we occupy our time with is using our spiritual gift. Romans 12:3 through 8. <clears throat> we all have at least one spiritual gift given us at receiving that are receiving Christ. The gifts are distributed as the spirit wills. Our gifts are different from one another as the parts of the body are different from one another. Some of us are one ball bouncers. Some of us are two ball bouncers. (laughs) We are not to compare our gift with that of another, but with sober judgment, own what we have and use it to the best of our ability. We are not to boast of it; it is a gift, not something we earned. Second Corinthians ten twelve says, "Not that we venture to class or compare ourselves with some of those who commend themselves." But when they measure themselves by one another and compare themselves with one another, they are without understanding. We are to use our gift. God has a purpose for your gift, to be fruitful in building up the body of Christ. Ephesians 4:12 12 and 13 mentions four gifts and what they're used for. And his gifts were that some should be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Do we have that here? For the equipment of the saints for the work of ministry for the building up of the body of Christ the four gifts mentioned here equip us to do all to do our ministry in building up the body of Christ you can't do that if you are absent from the body of Christ we must gather in order to use our gifts whether it is two or three of us a small group, a larger group or the whole congregation our gifts need expression in all of these situations. So do not neglect to meet together as is the habit of some. Nancy Dimas volgimov says she does aisle ministry after the worship service. So stick around and use your gifts if you can. Some of us will need to overcome our hesitancy to engage with others. Someone suggested we should come to church with something to share. Now to the gifts that are mentioned here, seven gifts. Having gifts that differ according to grace given us, let us use them, if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, The one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Service. I think many of us have this gift. I think I do. Teaching. Many have that gift. Pastor Grothy, who was our interim pastor at Cornerstone for a time, identified my wife Beth as being called to teaching Sunday school. Exhortation or encouragement. This is a much-needed gift in the God, in the body of Christ. He who contributes with liberality. I think I might have this gift. At first I thought I just gave out of conviction. And I was trained in, in giving. And I grew up as, a, as a young Christian. And by then I had some, uh, here's how it went when I was drafted into the army at age 23, I went to Korea, and went to Korea, I thought, what do I need money for? Everything I need is provided. I'll give 50% to the Lord. When I got out and eventually married, it dwindled to 25%. And when we had kids, it eventually went down to 10%. When I received my inheritance from my father, I thought it was time to give in larger amounts as the Lord provided. And I learned how to do that with my wife's cooperation. When it was time to take my Social Security check, I thought I have been able to earn my way without it. As long as the Lord provides me strength to work, I will. And will give my Social Security check to the Lord without diminishing my regular giving. I tried it for one year, and it worked. The Lord provided. So I will continue until I can't anymore. Leadership. RSV renders it giving aid. How is giving aid leadership? Jesus said, he who would be greatest among you must be servant of all. Servant leadership, that's the way to do it. Acts of mercy. I would relate this to the medical and caregiving occupations and to those who do the same things without being in a job setting. In every case, it is to be practiced with cheerfulness. Mm-hmm. Now we come to our third point our daily conversation. There's uh, not comparing one uh, with each other, and here's the gifts for the work of ministry. And there's a review. <laughs> contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality let love be genuine without her, without hypocrisy the world is full of hypocritical love we fear that there are many professing christians also who do fail who also fail at uh, part of hypocritical love they're full of that. The Lord told Ezekiel 33 31, And they come to you as people come, and they sit before you as my people and hear what you say. But they will not do it, for their, with their lips they show much love, but their hearts are set on their gain. D.L. Moody phrased it talking cream, but living skim milk. The Apostle Paul, Apostle John, exhorts us let us not love in word or speech, but in deed and in truth. Take care of your brother that you see in need. Hate or abhor what is evil. What can you name that is evil? Do you hate it? How about abortion? the murder of a human being in the womb. Child sacrifice is an anathema to God, yet we are allowing it all around us. Our conformity to the world dulls our response. As our minds are transformed, we can more and more abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. This reminds me of Philippians four eight. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is gracious, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. (coughs) Love one another with brotherly affection. We're still in this passage, aren't we? Yes. <clears throat> love one another with brotherly affection see how they love one another it was, re- it was true in the early church is it true in our hearts today Ephesians 4.32 says be ye kind one to another tender hearted, forgiving one another even as God and Christ forgave you notice how forgiveness is integral to being kind to one another How to one another in showing honor? William Newell, who was a Bible teacher in the beginning of the 20th century and an administrator at Moody Bible Institute, wrote a commentary on Romans. He said showing honor uh, in this way is to really really to prefer from your heart other believers above yourself, to be glad when others are honored above you. Do not be slothful in zeal. The RSV says never flag in zeal. I prefer that. <clears throat> you know how a flag acts. When the wind blows, it's unfurled. Then it droops. Then it hangs. And then it comes to life again. Don't let your zeal for the Lord be like that. Let it be constant. How? By giving yourself to God as a living sacrifice. Not conforming to the world, but having your mind transformed by its renewal. Rejoicing in hope. Can't think of what to praise God and thank God for. Thank Him for the promise of His coming and sharing eternal life in His presence. We are not like those who have no hope. Patient in tribulation. Because we can have hope, we can endure tribulation patiently. We can rejoice in it because we, can, we seem to grow the most spiritually through trials. Elizabeth Elliot had a radio program, Gateway to Joy. I believe she intended us to know that the gateway to joy was suffering. Constant in prayer. 1 Thessalonians 5 tells us to pray constantly. Proverbs 3.6 tells us, in all your ways, acknowledge him. Contribute to the needs of the the saints. Didn't we cover this already? Let love love be genuine. But if anyone sees his brother in need, 1 John 3.17, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Practice hospitality. Am I going the wrong way? Yeah. Practice hospitality. The word hospitality means love to strangers, stranger-loving. We have a family in our congregation who are housing a new convert to Christ who is without a work permit, so he can't pay rent. (coughs) And the final section deals mostly with how we respond to those who oppose and persecute us. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. Rejoice with them that rejoice, weep with them that weep. Sympathy is not a strong point in some of us Yet, if we would follow Christ, it needs to be. The next two verses seem to go together. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be conceited. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought for what is noble in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. I said it before, I say it again. Do you think he's lying? Why are we so hot to pay someone back for what he's done? That is God's domain. We are to leave it with him. He will take care of it. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Burning coals on his head probably means what we think it does. It will bring a person to guilt and repentance. The ESV commentary takes it differently, but the next verse may confirm my interpretation. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Where do we get the strength and motivation to practice these marks of a Christian? Some of these seem very hard, and our lives may seem messed up and needing work elsewhere. Our motivation comes from giving ourselves as a living sacrifice in response to what the Lord has done for us, and having minds renewed and being released from conformity to the world and our desire to please them we seek to please God our renewed mind discerns what is the will of God what is good and acceptable and perfect Philippians 2 12-13 says work out your own salvation with fear and trembling for God is at work in you both to will and to do his good pleasure God is at work in you to will and to do his good pleasure Ephesians 3.20 says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us. He's talking about resurrection power. The power to raise a man from the dead and exalt him to the highest place in heaven at the right hand of the Father. Is that enough power to change our lives? First Corinthians 4.20 says, For the kingdom of God does not consist in talk, but in power. That is what enables us and motivates us to live like a Romans 12 kind of Christian. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for this teaching on being a Romans 12 kind of Christian. We pray that we may take it to heart and be sanctified through you so we might be, become, so Christ might be seen in, in us. And as we have seen Christ in other people, there's a wonderful attraction to that person as we see Christ there. May we be like that. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.